This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. Breaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser, and welcome back to another episode of Reform This. This is a program, one of its kind, that comes to you every week where I hold no punches as your loyal Muslim American patriot dedicated to protecting the homeland and advancing liberty and freedom abroad against against the enemies, especially those of Islamists, the, the political Islamists who seek to advance theocracy to the West and create the ideas that are the bedrock of their caliphate. Uh, we breach the fault lines between the lands of Islamism and the ideas of freedom and liberty on this program. And this week I come to you with a heavy heart. We are mourning the loss of our fellow citizens in Orlando who were targeted, not randomly, but ideologically at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando where it is horrific to have woken up Sunday morning and realize that yet again radical Islamists, militant Islamists, have attacked and killed our fellow citizens. That the war continues, the war has come again to our soil, and that now another vulnerable minority group has been targeted by Islamists who do so in their asynchronous warfare and have left 50 dead and 53 injured and hundreds of families mourning the loss of their loved ones and waking up wondering what it is that they did to bring this to them. And they did nothing. Political Islam is that ideology of millions, of hundreds of millions, that is spreading like cancer around the world and produces that byproduct of militant Islamism. And Sunday morning at 2 a.m. when Omar Mateen the son of Afghan immigrants, a U.S. citizen born in America, decided to evolve into a militant warrior for ISIS, for radical Islam. We're still getting the details as to what exactly um, ultimately moved him to do what he did. And again, I don't need the details of the ideological transformation. We're going to talk about this on Reform This because that's what this program is all about. But the last steps, the point at which he became militant, in which he decided to become a soldier, a warrior, and kill his fellow citizens in an act of war, an act of vicious, barbaric treason. There were 320 people trying to enjoy their evening on Saturday evening, late into the morning, 
and at 2.02 a.m. he began gunfire with obviously multiple magazines in hand as the number of bullets released were far more than any single, two, or even three magazines could hold. Three hours later, the SWAT team made a decision to move in because there was a hostage situation, and until they had the most appropriate time to do so, they did so and set off a device that uh, allowed them to gain entry and ultimately bring him, thankfully, to his demise. Of the 320 people, 50 did not survive. Many are critically injured, and we still pray for them today. And I cannot tell you, as an American Muslim, the cycle of emotions that we feel, that I feel, every time this happens, gets stronger and more nauseating. I, I even opened my book in nine, after 9-11 when I wrote it in 2012, but then talking about my feelings after 9-11 that I wanted to kill the bastards that did that in 9-11. And now imagine the horror after Fort Hood, Chattanooga, Boston Marathon, San Bernardino, Paris, Belgium, on and on. And at what point are we going to declare war on those that have declared war on us? It's enough with the condemnations. It's enough with the press release uh, uh, anger. There is not enough anger from the Muslim community. And today I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what would be the best way to channel our anger. And if there is anger, there should be. And America, you should be upset if Muslims are not angry, if Muslims try to say, as the imam who stood with the FBI and the attorney general and others at the press conference within a few hours of this massacre, who appropriately recommended that Muslims help the FBI and do everything they could to assist their fellow citizens, yes, uh, the uh, imam of the Center of Islam, the Central Islamic uh, Center of Florida, uh, did uh, uh, say that he was going to help and did in many ways say the right things. But I have to tell you, I was disappointed with the lack of anger he showed. This is Imam Musri. I was disappointed with the uh, inability that he showed to show the visceral rage that we need to show, not just with ISIS, but with a recognition that in this month of Ramadan, we should be looking in the mirror. In this month of atonement, we should be coming to terms with how to leave a legacy, a legacy of goodness. And I'm not talking about collective guilt. I'm talking about faith responsibility to Islam and to the country that gives us the freedom to raise our children like nowhere else and a country that gives us the freedom to be equal citizens. And we cannot separate or divorce ourselves from the ideology that creates these monsters. So today we're going to talk about that. How, what is the connection? Was this guy just a crazed bigot that acted out of terror and out of hate? Those are two words we heard from the president immediately. And, you know, in comparison, using the bar that was pretty low that the president has established in responding to these. He did pretty well. He recognized it as terrorism. He recognized it as hate and put the flags to half-mast 
and called for America to come together and recover as quickly as possible from the pain that these families and our community in Orlando and Florida and across the nation have felt. But it wasn't enough. Terrorism with hate equals Islamism, militant Islamism. And he didn't make that connection. Why? Because once you make that connection, policy solutions would change, and we're going to talk about that also later in the program. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. Breaching the fault lines of today. The Blaze Radio Network. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800 800- at 215-0465. Breaching the fault lines of today, this is Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser back again with you on Reform This. And the country now is grieving almost a week now since we woke up Sunday morning with the horrifying news of another attack, another act of war, this time against the vulnerable gay community. The LGBTQ community has been victimized by Islamists around the planet, and now in the freest country in the world, they have been attacked when they would have least expected it. It is so important for us to come together to recognize that our vulnerable communities need to be protected and we must renew our resolve. You know, I wonder every time after these attacks what will be the tipping point in which we will come together as a community to defend the rights of our minorities. And I hope that this event will allow us to come together left and right, conservative and liberal, nonpartisan, to realize that we need a strategy to demand reform. We need a strategy to demand that the theocrats of Islam, be they domestically or abroad, be confronted, not appeased, but confronted. And these are the front lines. We talk, I talk about how this program is targeting those fault lines and on the front lines. Charlie Hebdo was attacked because they are on the front lines of free speech. Women who are victims of honor abuse and honor violence and honor killing are on the front lines because the patriarchal male-dominated Islamists in robes can and do attack vulnerable women. Jewish communities, because they're a small minority, are attacked because they're demonized through propaganda, conspiracy theories, and the supremacism of Islamist doctrine and the interpretation of Sharia that is rife with deep hate for Jews and anti-Semitism, which I believe is not the Islam that I was taught, but is certainly deep in the interpretations of the Islam that comes out of Al-Azhar and out of Saudi Arabia needs deep reform. And now we see that 
the gay community has been targeted. And we have to recognize that violent homophobia doesn't come out of nowhere. It comes out of nonviolent homophobia. So just as the violence is the tip of the iceberg, the nonviolent same ideology is the iceberg. So nonviolent anti-Semitism is a huge problem. You look at the State Department report on anti-Semitism, it is upwards of 90 to 96 percent in the vast majority of Muslim-majority countries. So is there any wonder that Violent anti-Semitism is thus a significant problem, a major problem, and a major symptom of Islamism. So when the imams came out, you know, it's such a cognitive dissonance to see on the one hand this denial that Islamism has anything to do with it, that you don't want to identify it because that somehow, as the left is wont to say, becomes a declaration of war against an entire faith. And then on the other hand, oh, by accident or surprise, there happened to be an Imam, Imam Musri, who needed to be present within one hour of everybody knowing that this was a terror attack, to be present standing with the FBI and police. And America would be looking at this, wondering, well, why is he there? Is he there because... The Islam has nothing to do with it or is he there because Islam has something to do with it or is he there because America needs a lesson to make sure that Muslims are part of the solution and not to target them whatever the answer is it just doesn't make any sense yes I think it's important for America to hear Muslim voices but that Muslim voice was not angry as I said that Muslim voice was not talking about reform Imam Musri actually talked about Americans thinking about mass shootings and as if it had something to do with guns. I mean, that's a bit of temerity to, as, as a Muslim imam in an area where there's been now revealed, uh, actually a year ago, groups had published and posted uh, a panel in which an imam came from Iran and had been talking about the, the, the penalty for homosexuality under Sharia, he was proud of the fact that it was compassionate to kill them because that is the judgment called for by God according to them. And that was said on American soil. The mosque that the President Obama chose to visit in February as our Muslim reform movement protested. We protested uh, uh, the misogyny, the gender apartheid that exists in that mosque. But we also protested the fact that we had... Uh, um, posted a sermon that was homophobic from the one of the imams at that mosque that they still have online, and yet it was ignored. Some of the media, the Daily Caller covered it, but there's this bigotry of low expectations that somehow the president didn't care that the backdrop that he chose of the mosque was a mosque that had proudly showed a sermon of a screed of homophobia where the imam said that homosexuality should be eradicated as a plague from the earth. Now, to say that that has nothing to do with ISIS, then uh, using uh, the gay community as a backdrop for their savagery and barbarism and killing uh, 50 and injuring over 100 is, uh, and 50 more is just absurd. We are at war. We need to declare war as Muslims. In this month of Ramadan, if we truly believe in introspection, we need to declare war, a jihad against jihad. And 
every week to week we see examples. As I talked a couple episodes ago, in Bangladesh, the secular bloggers were being targeted for assassination. Charlie Hebdo, the free speech advocates, were being targeted. Uh, women are targeted. Jews are targeted. The only treatment to this is to reform against the theocracy of political Islam. It's interesting. CARE had their normal press conference, and this time Nihad Awad, the executive director, stood and basically pounded his fists and spoke sternly towards ISIS, saying that they don't represent Islam, and yelled at them and scolded them for their savagery. In some ways, that showed some progress on their part, but in other ways, it's just more of the denial. The problem, Mr. Awad and the Council on or for American Islamist Radicalization, is not just ISIS. They are another symptom. The problem is organizations like yourself and part of the growth, the larger movement, whether it be violent or nonviolent, of political Islam. And until you connect the Islamism, the theocratic mentality, to the greater problem, you will continue to be part of the problem. And as Andy McCarthy wrote in the National Review, will the Council on American Islamic Relations, for example, the LA chapter, be specific in condemnation of the Muslim Brotherhood, its creator? In 2011, Andy writes, the Egyptian election gave the Brotherhood control of the government, the brothers ran a homophobia campaign tailored to overwhelmingly Muslim populations' hostility to homosexuality. Muhammad Badi, the Brotherhood's supreme guide, explained, The West has allowed gay marriage under the pretext of democracy, which we will never allow in Egypt, adding that the Brotherhood would also not allow, under the pretext of national unity, that a Muslim woman would get married to a Christian man, which violates Islamic law. Badi elaborated that Sharia must take precedence over democratic choice because it is not permissible for democracy to allow what's forbidden or forbid what's allowed, even if the entire nation agreed to it. Badi was merely reaffirming the Brotherhood's long-expressed position that homosexuality is considered an abomination in Islam. Will care condemn Yusuf Qardawi? And I've asked that. In a couple episodes ago, I talked about Qardawi's 13th century interpretations of law that Muslims remain silent against. And Nihad Awad has shared the stage with Qaddawi back in 2012 and continues to. And for America to ignore the deep connection between Qaddawi's teaching and ISIS and the actions of Omar Mateen in Orlando is willful blindness at best and surrender at worst. Surrender of our principles that unite our democracy and that make us the city on a hill and that that light on that hill is beginning to dim because we are not having the courage of the convictions of our country as we've discussed before on this program the islamists wrote a letter to Baghdadi and in that letter they admonished him about his jihad but didn't condemn jihad. They said he wasn't qualified to call it. They condemned his caliphate but didn't condemn the caliphate because they said he wasn't qualified to call it. They actually apologized for it. They condemned his actions towards women but didn't call for the equality of men and women. And, and they condemned 
his violence, but didn't condemn the ideas that he sought. So this is the issue. We cannot just condemn the means. We cannot just condemn the individuals. We must condemn their ideas and then reform against them to bring them to terms of modernity and the universal declaration of human rights, not just the Cairo declaration. That is what we must hold our Muslim friends and fellow citizens accountable for. And the only way to do that as an American Muslim is to declare war against jihadism and against political Islam and declare the evil empire the organization of Islamic cooperation. That is what needs to come out of the deaths, the senseless deaths in Orlando, if anything is to come up and if anything is to come out from their deaths that will bring us forward. Otherwise we will not learn lessons and now uh, um, almost 16 years 15 years post 9-11, have we learned any lessons or have we stepped back? And I think with the, with the acceleration of the attacks on our homeland, it does appear that we continue to step back. We are not making any progress, sadly, because we continue to call it violent extremism. And the president will not name it because with the name would come a change in policy. And when we come back, let's talk about what that change of policy would mean and why the naming has not happened, because they fear what that change of policy will mean. Breaching the fault lines of today. This is Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. Technology has enabled individuals to be able to wage war on behalf of whatever ideology, whatever cause it is they think that they are in support of. And they can turn themselves into a global news story as well as creating a mass casualty attack. It is a lot easier now than it used to be. That much is true. Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Blaze Radio Network On Demand. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser back with you and Reform This. Enough about the apologists, enough about the Islamists and care. Let's come together as Americans and figure out what the solution is. First of all, enough with the lone wolf stuff. There is no lone wolves. These are all uh, Islamists that are swimming in the pool of Islamic supremacism. And some of them decide to don vests and don the jersey and become militants, jump out of the pool and go to action. But the bottom line is is they're swimming in that same pool, that same intoxicant of Islamist supremacism, that Sharia state mentality that they want to die for the Islamic state. And as we discussed last week, we can't drain that pool until we want to swim in a pool together as Muslims that believe in liberty and want to die for liberty and die for Americanism. Until we have that similarly strong wish to protect our homeland to the death against political Islam and Muslims are tripping over one another to do so, we will continue to see our community hemorrhaging into ISIS radicalization. You can't defeat radicalization by simply telling people it's wrong. It's like trying to end 
uh, alcoholism by saying that drinking is wrong. You have to replace that with a self-identity that never wants to reach for substance abuse. And that's what Americanism, that's what the desire to be part of a social contract in which all people are equal, whether they're gay, Jewish, uh, male, female, uh, any minority, regardless of their opinion, that we are a diverse community that lives under one constitution and defends it. So help us God. Mateen pledged allegiance to ISIS as he was holding the hostages right before the SWAT team ended up bringing him to his death. Now, what are some solutions that we should seek? It's not just these individuals. We have to begin to stop the sense that these are lone wolves. They're not. It's a global ideology. We are not fighting violent extremism. We're fighting violent Islamism. So when the president would, if he would call it that, you know, if you look at the comments of Director Comey, he said earlier this week as the details were unfolding that this uh, Mateen was radicalized on the Internet. And yet, talking to his father, here he had a father who was sympathetic to the Taliban, had a bizarre television program in which he thought he was president of Afghanistan and clearly uh, was a pretty radical ideologue. And yet, he wanted the media to believe that he somehow was an American patriot who would have reported his son if he knew that he was radical. It's like the bartender telling us that uh, uh, he had nothing to do or any way to realize that the drunk who was going to leave his bar was going to get in a car and drive into a parade. But what we can learn from this is that the radicalization happens in the family, it happens in the community, it happens with inputs from social organizations that tell Muslims that they're victims, that tell Muslims that they're victims of conspiracy theories, from sermons here or there, from panels, from academia, and from the internet. Now, the radicalization that Comey's probably talking about is the point at which he became militarized, in which he became operational and was told to become violent, and that would bring him to heaven. Yes, the last jihadization, that element of militancy, is probably internet-inspired because in the U.S. on American soil, if they preach that violence, it is illegal and they would be arrested. And I think that may be why the, the father was uh, saying what he did to media was he was fearful for being arrested. But at the end of the day, the radicalization process and the monitoring of the FBI would change if the president called it radical Islamism because then that would open up the floodgates that we could be monitoring Islamist ideology. Then, aside from violent anti-Semitism being monitored, nonviolent anti-Semitism would become in play. Aside from violent homophobia being monitored, nonviolent homophobia would be monitored. And thus, under that is the greater ideology of Islamism that is the dominant source of all of these minority hates that they have, and that would then be monitored. But until that time, really, we can't blame the Bureau. The Bureau can't monitor simply ideas that are incompatible with American freedom. They can monitor violence. They can monitor predilections towards attacks and desires to commit acts of violence. 
but they cannot yet based on the parameters that we hold unless we call it countering violent Islamism. And that needs Congress to get engaged, hearings to be had. It needs a public outcry, as we did in the Cold War, that we would not engage. Imagine as we engaged against Soviet militancy, that we somehow thought the Communist Party would be a good avenue to help us in our policy against the Soviets because they're non-militant in America. I mean, come on. Yes, we were having conversations about shutting them down, which I think doesn't work and thankfully never happened. But it's one thing not to shut them down and to allow the antiseptic of sunlight to expose them, and it's another just not to monitor them and treat them as if they're regular old American citizens and not part of the threat complex that exists in the radicalization process. So that's why the naming is so important, because it is a precursor and often a precursor. These radicals don't go to sleep one night, moderate Americans, and wake up the next day militant jihadists. That radicalization includes the nonviolent portions of political Islam. Thus, without doing that, we become enablers. We are in denial, especially the Muslim community. We need an intervention. It is time for an intervention. How many attacks do we need before we Muslims declare war, declare a jihad against jihad? How many attacks do we need until we stop using the term lone wolf? How many attacks do we need before Muslims start to own up to the reforms we have to have? I think the attack against the Pulse nightclub is a watershed moment, as if we needed one as a country. But it's a watershed moment because a community that can breach that divide between left and right was attacked. And I think both in a nonpartisan fashion, all of America will stand with the LGBTQ community because they were attacked as vulnerable community in this war, in this cosmic war between theocrats and lands of freedom and liberty. So it's important that we not let their deaths be forgotten, that we not let this moment die off the resolve that we have together as a country. And in this month of Ramadan, we come together as Muslims to declare war and let our legacy be that we will not let uh, another life be killed on our soil or globally in the name of radical Islam. Now I know that uh, uh, some of you may be rolling your eyes at that thought that it's certainly going to happen, but listen, we have to start with a sense that we can win this, we will win this, it's going to need reform. Our Muslim reform movement is dedicated to the principles necessary for uh, equality of male and female, the equality of sexual identity, the equality of all humanity under God and under our Constitution. It's about time we let them be on the run. It's about time that the Islamists begin to be on the defense because we've been the ones on the defense. What is, you know, I'm asked uh, frequently on media, Zudi, where's the next attack likely to happen? Anyone who tells you they have an idea or a guess would never know. Yes, you know, before the Orlando uh, massacre, there was 
and a list of thousands or hundreds of Americans listed on a hit list. And some of them think 600 were in, in Florida. So yes, there was some concern. But now in retrospect, as we do in the post-mortem analysis, we say, oh, look at this. But when it comes out, nobody knows where to start this. I mean, hats off to the heroes of the Bureau and others who try to keep us safe. But for every thousand that they may prevent, one or two may get through. So our legacy has to be to, to take away the core cancer that's doing this, that continues this whack-a-mole program, and that core cancer that caused Boston, Fort Hood, Chattanooga, San Bernardino, all of them were influenced by ideas for years that separated them out from American society. That was an Islamist theocracy that made them feel that this country was not theirs, that made them feel that these citizens were not human, and the minorities that they could target were targets rather than human beings. That is not Islam. That is not humanity. Now it's their Islam, and we need to recognize that that it is a strain of Islam that needs to be put into the dustbin of history. We stand with all minorities, including the, the faith minorities, the minorities of sexual identity, and the minorities within the countries of Iran, Saudi Arabia, and Muslim majorities, and the minorities here within our own land of freedom, because the Islamists divide the world into the land of freedom, I'm sorry, in the land of war, in the land of Islam, or Dar al-Harb and Dar al-Islam. They saw this gay nightclub as a place in the land of war that could be targeted. Wake up, Muslimin, Oh, Muslims, wake up. It is time to reform against the, the, the savagery that if you pull the textbooks of Sharia on the shelves in most American mosques, it condones takfirism, the declaration that homosexuals are not Muslims. Who are we? Therefore, by the grace of God, go I. Who are we to say they are not Muslims? We may have our own opinion about marriage, but it is not the role of government or any human being to judge another's relationship with God or their faith identity. We'll be right back. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin. Nobody allow, let alone choreograph, looking bad. So what really happened here? Why really did Obama invite Sanders to the White House? And and and, and didn't Bernie know about this three weeks ago? Yes. And so why did he ask him? Why did Bernie go? Why did they do this? Did anybody get conned? Jay Severin. Weekdays, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser back with you on Reform This. Our country now must begin the long healing process after what is now the largest mass shooting on American soil in our history and the largest terror attack on our soil since 9-11. That healing will include a reuniting under the Constitution a support of our 
minority communities, including the LGBTQ community. I hope media and others reach out, for example, to the progressive Muslim community, the gay Muslim community that has, I believe, a couple mosques that should be lifted up and protected as the courageous ones in our community that have maintained their Muslim identity despite the persecution that they suffer under Muslim-majority countries and that they could, the freedom that they've probably only been able to have in America. And yet even with that comes persecution from the rest of the Muslim community that nobody on the left or right seems to defend them for. And I think it's important to pay attention to them because their voices are so important in this progressive Muslim community. And I say this as a conservative. There are certainly elements of their agenda, the the progressive agenda that uh, I have uh, differences with, but that's the beauty of American politics. But this is not political, what we're talking about. The conversation about marriage, about sexuality and sexual identity within the Muslim community is in the 13th century. It's not in the 21st century. That's where America's conversation is right now, and there are other elements which we can save for another program, but I think are inappropriate to have in a partisan way in the wake of a horrific massacre of 49 dead simply because they chose a particular sexual identity that is between them and God and has nothing to do with their Muslim identity. This is the defining moment for Muslims. I would ask you as we look at solutions now at the end of this program to hold my fellow Muslims to task about what is their position on gay rights. What is their position on what is the punishment for homosexual behavior? Should there be any punishment? And if they give you a qualified exclusion about Muslim majorities and about what the population, and whether it's under a Sharia state, you know that's a problem. You know that they're condoning violence and that they're just living here as a minority, as an insurgency, as an American Islamist insurgency, which is what we've talked about on this program before. And the tool that you can use to expand this conversation beyond the discussion of sexual identity is our Muslim Reform Movement Declaration, where you can ask them about, will they reject caliphism? Will they reject violent jihad? Will they reject the Sharia state? Institutionalization of Sharia? Because that will at least bring us to solutions right away within a few months, a few years, to where we can have a movement that wants to separate mosque and state. Yes, it may take generations to actually reform the Sharia, sort of the moonshot, if you will, of what we need to do with the hard work in the laboratory of the fatwa laboratory, if you will, of interpreting a modernized Sharia that will have to fast forward the 700 plus years in which it's not been modernized. Or there have been some imams, but they've been minority voices not fueled by the petro-Islam, not fueled by the billions of petrodollars that have fueled Wahhabi and Salafi Islam over the past hundred years. But we need, I think, when we look at solutions, use that declaration as a point of conversation and departure for the Muslims that are with us in solutions, 
versus those that are against us. And we've been getting a lot of feedback in the past week from Muslims from St. Louis to Chicago to uh, New York and L.A. that are seeing this declaration and saying, how can we help? I want to become a member and use this declaration. And they realize that there's a challenge. They realize that it'll be a minority within their communities to get a response, but I can tell you that it is not an anathema to being Muslim that you recognize the equality of men and women, the the rejection of discrimination against any minorities, including those who identify as homosexual or in the LGBTQ community. This is a measure of our legacy. Ask your fellow Americans, your American Muslim friends, what will be their legacy? If they say their legacy has nothing to do with the terrorists because those are not Muslims, then they are in denial. Then you should tell yourself, boy, what are we going to do to get this community an intervention? <laughs> we need an intervention to get past the denial. And then once we get past that, we need to declare war on political Islam, on Islamism, and all of its heads of its snake that are theocratic. America, please end the bigotry of low expectations where you are not holding Muslims accountable to the principles of our Muslim reform movement. End that bigotry in which we give Muslims a pass. And I would tell you to embrace Muslims with a tough love that you hold them accountable, hold us accountable to the same principles you hold your children, your family, and the citizens that you love. Yes, it turned out that this individual was interviewed a few times by Homeland Security and the FBI. But remember, we've tied their hands until we call it violent Islamism. Until we begin to recognize that Islamism is the problem, the ideas that he had, short of proclaiming and desiring violence, are not anything that are illegal or should prevent him from even being able to buy weapons. Now, I believe once we enter those into the criteria for radicalization and call our programs violent, countering violent Islamism, then they can be added to the list appropriately with the consensus of America that this is an ideology that is incompatible with Americanism. And we can take away the privilege of having weapons, the privilege of, of uh, travel and uh, not being monitored. Not saying to take away rights, but some of their privileges need to be monitored. And that is the only way to keep the homeland safe. And you can use the declaration I talked to you about in vetting not only security services, but immigrants, refugees, and others, and thus re-bolster the programs so far that have left us so vulnerable. As I end this program... I can tell you that we are going to, at least in my household, look at the names of all those who died. And as we pray our prayers in Ramadan, pray for their families, pray that our legacy be that God knows that we did everything we could to prevent another attack, pray that we not wake up another morning and hear of any other attack against our fellow citizens, and pray in this Ramadan, this month of atonement, that Americans realize that we are doing everything we can to keep the homeland safe and that uh, we believe we pray to the same God of Abraham and that we share the Constitution and the declaration of our independence in the United States, the greatest country on earth, 
together in this covenant that we would die to protect this country against all enemies, foreign and domestic, especially the ones that we have the particular answer to treat, which is radical Islamists, which are political Islamists that are sprouted from the Wahhabis to the Brotherhood to the Jamaat Islamiyya in Pakistan. I will rededicate myself, and we should rededicate ourselves to reforming all of the aspects of our faith that are incompatible with 21st century America and become realistic to the work and roll up our sleeves and and channel that anger into declaring war to protect our homeland and let every American know from the rooftops that we will do whatever it takes to leave a legacy that protects our country from the enemies, even if it's coming from within our own families or from within the tribe of Muslims or Islamists that we want to defeat together as one country. This is Zudi Jasser with Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. The Blaze Radio Network.